As we said earlier, in the 400 years between the Old and New Testament, traditions were established within the synagogue that often had nothing to do with God. 2,000 years since the resurrection, have we lost sight as well? Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Hi girls, welcome and thank you for being here. Um, I want to start off by having you guys introduce yourselves and uh, tell me your favorite month of the year and why. My name's Bernita James and my favorite month of the year is May because that's the month I was born and it's also normally when spring is at its best so you have really good weather in the month of May. Mm, touche. <laughs> my name is Abigail McPherson and I'm gonna go with the birthday months as well. <laughs> Mine being January, the first of the year. Nice and chilly, huh? <laughs> it's freezing. So. Um, hi, my name is Heather Lunsford. I'm gonna go with December um, because I love the holiday. My daughter was born, my mother's birthday is in December. So a lot of things happening in the month of December. So I really like that time of year. Awesome. I'm also gonna go with December because awesome. that's when I was born <laughs> and the holidays and it's just perfect. Mm -hmm. So, and usually when we get a little vacation time too, yes. so <laughs> yes. can always do vacation. Uh, Abby, why don't you uh, read our Bible verse and maybe start it off with a word of prayer? No problem. Uh, we'll be reading from Luke 19, 41 in the King James Version. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you for another opportunity to join together and speak about your word. We ask that you open up our hearts and minds to receive you today, Father God, and send your Holy Spirit to be able to just be with us, Father God, and uh, allow us to gain more wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Okay, so this lesson is titled Jesus in Jerusalem. So it's kind of a wrap up of, you know, things that are going on towards the end. Um, I, in the lesson, it talks, uh, starts talking about how there was just so many things going on, uh, very emotional time, very trying time for Jesus. Um, Jesus weep, weeping over the indifferent city, the cleansing of the temple, the scheming and plotting against him, uh, the last supper, the mockery of the trial, the crucifixion, the resurrection, just so much happening. So this lesson is can go so many ways and we can talk about so many things for a long time because it's just so much. <laughs> but we're going to start off with the first question and it says, uh, the study addresses Jesus's final return to Jerusalem. Uh, what do we think uh, the people, even the disciples were expecting? Uh, how different is it today with us waiting for the second coming? It's a very mm. full question. So. It's a full question. Yeah. <laughs> I, they were very, um, I think a lot of, if, if you look at the triumphant entry, which starts Luke um, 19, 28, and how they prepared so um, physically for Jesus coming into Jerusalem with the donkey and the palm branches and the crowds and the, you know, just a whole bunch of, it was very, it was very showy. It was very, you know, it was a lot going on at that moment and, and there was a lot of, you know, praise and singing and all these kind of things. And they were expecting, if, I, if I'm interpreting, I feel like they were expecting this to be his 
come into the city and I'm going to be the new king and this was it. This was going to be his return. And I think in different ways now, we are a little bit more humble in our expectation of Jesus coming. I think we can still expect the glory that he has written to us in um, in the Bible that he's going to be giving, giving us, but I think we're a little bit more humble now. Um, we see what happened. We see from the Bible and his writing about, you know, what happened from this moment on. So you think we're, sorry to interrupt no, no, you. No, it's great. You think that we are more humble about what we expect Jesus' second coming to be? Is yeah, we're humble in our um, showing of that. Like we, we are more, um, intro, you know, looking at our faith, looking okay, at our, okay. you know, what we believe um, that is the coming is going to be. We're not going to, I don't believe, you know, because God says we don't know the hour or the day. Yeah. And they seem to have a lot of time to prep for this. They got that, you know, they got all their stuff. They got all this, you know, beautiful things ready. And God says we don't know the hour, the time, the day when he's going to come. And I think that's what I mean by humble. Like we're not going to have all these accoutrements to get ready. Yeah. You know, we're not going to have all this stuff. We're going to just have to be yeah. who we are. I think ideally we want to be more humble about mm -hmm. it. But mm -hmm. 1844, was it? The, right. The, yeah. the, right. the yeah. great disappointment. Mm -hmm. I mean, they thought. That's it. That, yeah, they, they were not humble <laughs> right. about that. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, ideally I think that, yeah, yeah. That, that does. Is there any other aspects that. I feel as though our expectations are even greater, actually, yeah. in terms of the second coming. Mm -hmm. You know, we know from the Bible that he's going to be coming in the clouds. Right. You know, appearing in glory mm -hmm. and, you know, a preparation that we're going to have, you know, physically nothing Would mean to nothing, do right? He's <laughs> going to be descending to earth and the whole world is going to see. It's going to be, right. you know, indisputable. So I think yeah. our expectations in some ways are a bit higher. Mm -hmm. But I think the understanding is that, you know, we need to also be prepared. Our hearts have to be ready right. for mm -hmm. his second mm -hmm. coming. Mm -hmm. so. uh, did the disciples, because we, we mentioned that um, they were expecting this to be it, mm -hmm. but what does it mean? Like, if you were living in that time and you mm -hmm. were a disciple of Christ, mm -hmm. um, what would you have wanted versus what happened? Right. I don't think that the, the disciples really understood the magnitude of what Jesus was about to do, because mm -hmm. they were still like, mm -hmm. no. We don't want you to be sacrificed. We don't want you to die, be crucified, or anything like that. So mm -hmm. even going back to the city, they didn't know what was going to happen, even though they were plainly told. Jesus explained to them time and time again what was going to happen. And, and you saw that when it actually happened, they all just dispersed yeah. and went away. So, of course, um, they wanted to be, you know, just like hype men and go around and receive all the, like, the attention and praise and glory, which was mm -hmm. really surprising to me that the fact that there was large crowds and mm -hmm. palm branches as he was riding on a donkey and all this, like, celebration for it to only turn into what it actually did turn into with the mm -hmm. crucifixion. So, um I believe that they, of course, they wanted to, you know, go and accept the kingdom and get some mm -hmm. tribes and everything and live in big houses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, un un and that's unfortunate yeah. um, at the time because I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have understood either. Like, you don't want bad things to happen, um, especially the, like a popular mm -hmm. person and somebody that you're associated with. Mm -hmm. So I believe that they just, they just went along with it. They was just like, okay, we'll just, we'll see what happens, even though he tells us. What is going to happen? I don't. I don't want to believe it. Well, I think that 
we do that now mm. in our walk with Christ. We're mm. like, oh, there's no way that he wants us to take that job. <laughs> <laughs> no way. But we know that he's calling us mm -hmm. to do that. Um, I'm just giving like a Ex small example, but in so many ways, I think we can apply it now. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> I have so many examples that I could name. Uh, why did Jesus weep over Jerusalem? That's a very loaded question. So that was something I was a little confused on a little bit. But when you look at the text and it talks about how they were celebrating, throwing these palm branches and their clothes all over the place and celebrating. Mm -hmm. But then like maybe a couple of days, a couple of hours later, they're cheering for them to be crucified. And Jesus, you know, knowing that already, it's just like, these people don't even, they don't even like me like that. They're going to turn on me like this. Mm -hmm. So, like, granted, you're happy to see me right now, but, like, in, in a moment, you're going to mm -hmm. turn on me, mm -hmm. meaning that your faith and your belief really isn't in the place that it's supposed mm -hmm. to be, and you don't even know it. Mm -hmm. Like, to look at all these people, they're so lost, and they don't even realize it. To be happy to see you one moment and mm -hmm. be like, kill her! The next moment, it doesn't really make much sense. So I'd be pretty <laughs> sad. <laughs> That's what they did. It yeah, was like, yeah, oh, yeah. we're so happy uh, to see you. Kill him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, at the end of um, uh, Luke 19, uh, 44, at the end of 44, um, it says all of this was going to happen, you know, he, after he said he wept, he said um, he, they did not recognize what God was trying to do for them. Mm -hmm. And that's just so poignant because, you know, he was doing all this stuff. His work was just so amazing and, and he was trying to get a message across and they didn't get it. And I think that's why he was crying. because he, another reason, he didn't get it. They didn't get why he was actually there you know, the true purpose of his, his message, you know, to save them, to be their savior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've, I heard a song a few years ago and it, it talks about that whole uh, crucifixion time and it focuses on one little girl who was, you know, the made up mm -hmm. story, um, was in the crowd and her mm -hmm. dad had been telling her all this time, this is the man who came to save us, this is the man who loves us. And then she's like, why are they having him crucified now if everyone at some point was you know happy and excited mm -hmm. to see him mm -hmm. and it makes me think another lesson we can learn from this is how much are we influenced by the people around us mm. how yes. influenced are we by what we hear everybody saying what we hear on the news what mm -hmm. we hear from our neighbors what, what we're you know and can we think of ways that we can be the exception not be like Right. People, you know, during Jesus' time? Mm -hmm. um, well, for one, you can see that. Well, with the people who did stick near to the cross and believe in it, were even sad about the crucifixion, they traveled in like a small number. There was like mm. a few people at the yeah. foot of the cross with Jesus, mm -hmm. and everybody else was for the crucifixion. There's about maybe what, like, I, don't quote me on this, but probably about four or five people right there, like, no. We don't want you mm -hmm. to die. But everybody else was like for the masses and then even other people who mm -hmm. didn't totally want him to die but weren't there to kind of like defend him. But like, you know, here and there, like far away. So it's not all about the crowd. Sometimes you will have to be um, two or three. Sometimes mm -hmm. you will exactly. have to be by yourself. So in order not to be swayed by the masses, sometimes you need to stay away from the masses. Go mm -hmm. against the flow, the road less traveled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all these cliche things you can say, but they really do apply. Right. Um, in our next question, it talks about 
the temple? And I love this question because it says, knowing that the temple would be destroyed within a generation. It was mm -hmm. going to be destroyed anyway. So mm -hmm. what he did, it was going to be done 10 times worse. <laughs> um, what was the significance of Jesus cleansing the te temple? They didn't know. I don't think they, like you had said in the beginning, in the open, they They'd forgotten what the temple was for. They had forgotten the purpose. They had forgotten the meaning behind it, the sanctification, the holiness of the temple. And I think his cleansing was not so gentle of a reminder that what his what his house was, what the Lord's house was for. Mm -hmm. It wasn't for the buying and the selling and the there was animals and and livestock and just things happening all around that were you know inappropriate mm -hmm. to do in, a, in God's house. And it was just a a subtle little reminder that, you know, this is not what you should be doing. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if he was also foreshadowing his own crucifixion because mm. there was a point where he'd said, destroy this temple and in three days I will yes. raise it up and mm. you know that your body is the temple, right? Yeah. So he could have been literally alluding to the fact that he was about to be crucified. I, I like mm -hmm. to, I like to say that Jesus was 100% human and 100% divine. Mm -hmm. So in him being 100% human, I think that there was a lot of emotion in this too. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing this and knowing that he was going to be crucified, like if you had all these things <laughs> mounted up on your back, you would flip tables too. <laughs> that is very true. Yes. You yes. know, so I think a lot of it was just him making a statement of, yeah. you know, like no one is valuing, valuing no one's giving me value mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And I am going to flip these tables so mm -hmm. people can understand what's going on. Yeah. That's not something you can gently say, can you please like not sell today? So I think that he got the message across by flipping up. I'm absolutely serious. I need to pack this up and put it away right now. Right. So yeah, I, you, you can't be soft and timid about things that are excellence and of importance this is mm -hmm. this is a, the temple we need mm -hmm. to take care of it we need to honor mm -hmm. not only me but God ultimately because like I'm here with you right now but mm -hmm. I'm about to go away so you all need to have some type you need to have that value system you need to understand that this is absolutely serious and you stop it today and never do it again like that absolutely. when I leave that doesn't mean you set up camp again just because I'm gone like this needs to stop Permanently. Yeah. I love that you bring up Jesus's humanity because it really forced me to sort of put myself in a small way in his shoes in that final week. And he being God, he knew the future. He knew that if they didn't accept this offer of salvation, that Jerusalem would be destroyed, that they would be, you know, captured and they would have to go through, you know, being captives in Babylon. He knew everything from oh, the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. And he knew he was coming to the end of his ministry. So you just think about mm -hmm. how he must have felt that final week of his life, knowing that he had done everything and they, they really didn't understand. Mm -hmm. They did not understand what he was there That's for. Right. Mm -hmm. At the end, um, I think maybe just another slight significance is that once he cleansed the temple, it said the people listened to every word he said. Mm -hmm. And the Pharisees did not like it. And that's at the end of that, um, uh, Luke 19, about 48. Mm -hmm. And that's just, I think, maybe a little bit of significance to his 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 massive undertaking of, of cleansing the temple and getting it out and being able to be heard. And, it's, and, and it almost kind of correlates to how they didn't recognize what he was trying to do. And then all of a sudden they were listening to every word. It almost silenced. Mm -hmm. It brought a silence to the everything like 
Uh-oh. Oh, he's serious. He's serious. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes me think how he must have felt, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like desperate, like I'm trying to save you. Like, mm -hmm. please listen to what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask a very controversial question. It can be controversial, <laughs> but if we look at our churches, the places of worship that we have, mm -hmm. um, where we worship, mm -hmm. have we lost have we made it a den of robbers as well? Have we lost respect um, to how we approach Jesus' presence? Or has mm. it changed after the crucifixion? Automatically, is it, Yeah. you know? I think it's a catch-22 scenario because I think in some instances, we're, we're good. Like, I think that I've, I've been to, you know, some establishments where I feel that, you know, you feel the presence of God and you have that sense of, you know, this is the sanctuary of God. And, and it's funny that you asked that question because my husband just, um, he recently visited a church and they asked him to take off his shoes. They said, this is a sanctuary. Can you take off your shoes? And he was, he was delighted. He was, he said, sure. You know, and I think, you know, that kind of brought it back to him and he hadn't, you know, seen that in his, I mean, relatively young life. He hadn't seen that yet. And so that to him, actually, he, it ministered to him. He came back home and said, that's amazing. I'm never putting my shoes on again. Exactly. No. Exactly. <laughs> he was like, wow. You know, and it, it amazed him. Yeah. It, ama it genuinely amazed him. And I think it is a hard question. It is a hard question. So I've heard references of just the volume level. Um, in the sanctuary, because, you know, after a week, everybody hasn't seen each other and mm. different things and the excitement of seeing one another, um, where I've referenced the whole, you know, it's just like, please lower your volume or this is a sanctuary, please be quiet type mm -hmm. stuff. But I don't think, you know, you're not selling incense in the lobby or anything <laughs> like that. So. Right, right. <laughs> so it depends, I guess, mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. scenario. And mm -hmm. uh, there are more contemporary churches and there mm -hmm. are more, um, mm -hmm. you, uh, what's the traditional? word? Traditional. Traditional, yeah, churches. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have to, our relationship with God has to reflect where we go and mm -hmm. worship. And I think that, mm -hmm. you know, to each his own. Right. And um, ultimately it comes back to, you know, what are you getting when you're mm -hmm. going to the temple? Mm -hmm. And when I told you in the beginning that you can go so many ways with this lesson, <laughs> right. that's what I was talking about. There's so many ways we could go with this story. But just to add to that yeah. point, I think what we all need to be careful of is that we're not just going to church to play church, you Absolutely. know, that we're intentionally improving our relationship with God and we understand why the church exists. It's not mm -hmm. just to be right. a place to meet your friends or, you right. know, to be part of a community, but right. that we have a mission. And I think yeah. as long as we keep that in mind. And we have to realize yeah. that it is a holy place. Mm -hmm. Whether you meet in somebody's mm -hmm. garage or where you mm -hmm. meet at a beautiful temple, it's right. you're in God's presence mm -hmm. and you come there, you know, to worship him. Uh, so I, I think that's something that we might be losing, but it's nothing that we can't Regain. Regain. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. hmm. Next question is, what <laughs> principles are taught in Jesus' parable of the vineyard? This parable I had to read over and over and over. <laughs> it's confusing. It is confusing. I really do find it confusing. I do see the, the aspect of that he didn't, that the owner of the vineyard, kept having faith in the people who were running it and he kept sending people 
to get the money. I, I do see that correlation as, you know, faith giver, you know, believers in something. And the, and the fact that he sent his son, and even though bad things had happened to all the people before that, and he still had faith to send his son to do the job that he had put out to do. It shows a lot about God and how he had, he gave so much faith to to his son and gave so much of a job to his son and knowing that my son may get hurt yeah. doing this. My son may get hurt going down to earth. He may die, you know, and I mean, he obviously knew oh, that, yeah. you know, <laughs> knew that he was going to die, but to still do it, to still send him knowing what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's what I think this particularly shows is that that vineyard owner probably knew what was going to happen to his son. He Definitely. probably had an idea. Definitely. Yeah. But the fact that he sent him anyway, mm -hmm. it shows so much about his... So much faith. And faith. Yeah. It even like correlates to us because we can be the people that are keeping the vineyard. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have God that's sending messengers and saying, nope, I'm not dealing with it. I'm going to kill it. I don't want to hear it. I want to keep it for myself. Mm. Uh, all right, I'm going to send another person. They, they've killed... They killed everybody. They killed John. They killed... Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to send my own son to let you know how serious I am. He's like, well, if we kill him, then we get everything. Mm -hmm. So in killing Jesus, it's the same kind of like parable and correlation to where I've given you everything that I have and you still think that you're going to obtain everything. Um, so I, th I think the story just shows sometimes how selfish that we can be mm -hmm. and what measures we'll go to to get the things that we believe that we want. Mm -hmm. So it's sh Jesus is telling us what's going to happen yet again mm -hmm. that I am that son who mm -hmm. has come to collect on the things that my father has built in his exactly. vineyard. Mm -hmm. And yet and still, you all are so blind <laughs> that you're going to kill me anyway, even mm -hmm. though I am the son of God. And just understand, my father is going to allow this to happen. But understand that at the end, you know, we still get the, we still get the victory. Mm -hmm. But the, the great length that God has gone to to get the message across that I'm not just going to say I'm going to send servant, I'm going to send messenger, then I'm going to send my own son. But you know what? All right, you all are going to do what you want, but the vineyard's not <laughs> going to be yours. Right, <laughs> like, right, exactly, right. yeah. And I, how can we, because we talk about this all the time. We talk about how we miss signs, how we go through life doing our own thing, and God is trying to tell us. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen so many. Do you remember when people used to, like, forward? I mean, my mom still does, but, like, <laughs> forward PowerPoint presentations about deep messages, like, yeah. all the time. Okay, well, I've seen this one over and over again about uh, the guy on the boat and the butterfly that, you know, you didn't. I was trying to send you something, and, God, you're not sending me anything, but they send her a butterfly, and he kept, like, shooing it away. Shooing it away. <laughs> How could we learn to be receptive of those butterflies that God's sending us our way? How can we be receptive of these people that are trying to, you know, of Jesus' second coming? How, how can we change that? Especially for people our age, which I feel mm -hmm. it's harder to do. Mm -hmm. um, I've been speaking recently on a prayer line that I facilitate that we just have to take account for the blessings that we do have. Mm -hmm. And as we see more blessings and take account for them and kind of just uh, reflect on the things that God has done for us, we'll be able to recognize those things sooner. Yeah. So even in present time, we'll be able to be like, oh, well, that was, thank you, Lord, for this. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's in that reflection, it's in that debrief that we have with ourselves that we can recognize this was not in my own power. This was not in my own power. This was a blessing. Mm -hmm. Thank God for this. So taking into account Mm -hmm. the things that 
we are not doing mm -hmm. and thanking God for the things that he is doing exactly. then we'll be able to uh, you know build up our tolerance and be more more thankful in present time I yeah. totally agree with you I totally totally um, and it's an example that we can set as adults to you know as growing adults that we can show to others um, it's so cool that you were saying to show how we're thankful every day um, at the end of our day, our kids and I, we, we gather around and we say what we're thankful for. Mm. That's just one thing that we've just started it since they could talk. Um, that, what are you thankful for today? And it could be the simplest thing of like, oh, I got my homework done, or uh, my friend was nice to me today, or, you know, just something simple. You know, we're not asking for, you know, long, long sentences, but just a little, what are you thankful for? You know, just a teeny bit, you know, and I think as we practice ourselves and and show that practice to others and getting that ability to remember, like you were saying, mm -hmm. to be thankful, I think that's so important. Uh, when I was in school, in elementary school, one of my teachers, which is one of my favorite teachers, he always used to tell us, and he used to do this prayer as well, like before every class, um, to pray and only give thanks even if you're asking for it. So thank you, Jesus, because I know that your will will be done with my mom's health. Thank mm. you, Jesus, because I know mm. you're going to be with me the rest of the day today. Right. Thank you for the things that you've had, you know, and just in faith from the very beginning um, mm. uh, for those blessings, you know, just be thankful for them. Yeah. So I, I, that's another way I guess we can apply mm -hmm. those things. The next question is, what are some of the more important uh, lessons we should take away from a celebration of the Lord's Supper? So it was a sad time, but yeah. it was still a celebration. Yeah, yeah. Like, so maybe going back to mm -hmm. just what I was talking about a little bit ago, uh, thank you for mm -hmm. the hard times too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I don't know, what other things can we? What pops out to me the most is um, where we get the ordinance of humility from. Mm -hmm. So when we have communion, we wash each other's feet. That came from the Lord's the Supper. Supper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that we are servants. So if you want to be greatest in God's kingdom, you have to, to be a servant. And I think Jesus demonstrated that by washing his disciples' feet. Absolutely. And so I think that's the lesson that he wants us to and we're supposed to be reminded of every time we, we have communion. Mm -hmm. And communion in general. It's just joining together with a group of sometimes like-minded individuals and enjoying each other's time because you don't know what's going to happen. So being able to enjoy that time with your fellow sister and brother mm -hmm. and... Um, yeah. And commune together. I think it's also a recommitment to God as well. I know that um, I, I was baptized when I was um, about 12, and I know over the years, you know, I have felt like I would love to be rebaptized or and do this. And, and sometimes, you know, you go, well, that's what this Lord's Supper was meant for. It was meant to recommit myself, mm -hmm. recommit to, you know, being afresh, being anew in God. And I love what you were saying about the foot washing because I feel like that's just like a small little symbol of doing that rebaptizing and doing that rewashing of, you know, getting, you know, being clean again, refreshing our souls to be, you know, more faithful in Christ. And the whole, the, I think the whole Lord's Supper is so emotional. It is so emotional. To, and when the pastors say, you know, this is the blood and this is the represents the body. Oh my word. I mean, yeah. sometimes I cry. I have to admit. Yeah, this is awesome. And it's great that we get to learn all these lessons from this. 
if you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of the Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Kathy Britton.